Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Blazer Victory Podcast. John Duncan here, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Darian Smith. And it's game week again for our UAB Blazers as the North Texas Mean Green come down to the south side in Birmingham to Protective Stadium this Saturday afternoon at 2.30 p.m. kickoff. If you cannot make it out to Protective, the game will be streamed on stadium as it has been the last three or four games, I swear. But we definitely hope that you certainly can make it out to Protective Stadium because, guys, it's senior day. I mean, this is going to be the last time a bunch of these guys are able to play a home game at Protective Stadium, let alone, too, the four guys that have been there since the return. So we certainly hope that if you are able to get down to Protective Stadium this Saturday afternoon to help cheer on those guys and cheer on the Blazers and Darren, see if we can write this ship. Right, man. It'd be so weird not seeing um, Noah Wilder out there. I feel like I feel like the dude's been playing since I've been playing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that, that'll be really, really weird. And I remember, like, uh, the year, like, we recruited Starling Thomas, and, you know, it was a big time get, getting him from Ramsey, and then he was able to, I know he developed a good relationship with C.D. Daniels that year, and mm-hmm. we were able to get those, those two were pretty big to get, and just to see how they've grown with uh, with the program, never wavered, that's been pretty special to see. Uh, a lot of these guys that uh, it's part of those earlier recruiting classes, just to see that, you know, they just to be that last year playing, man, that's it's pretty uh that's pretty tough. Uh, you, you grow attachment to these guys over a while, especially when you see them when during the recruitment process and you're happy that they commit and then you're happy that they stay and that they don't transfer. And just to see them graduate from that program, I can like go through a lot of these guys and tell you what high school they went to. Right. <laughs> you know, what star player and all the yada yada yada. So yeah, it's cool. It's cool seeing uh, you know. All those type of guys. Uh, this I think it'll be Kyle Harrells. He's a senior, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I'll tell you what, though. What really kind of it didn't get to me until Grayson Cash at the uh, presser on Monday. I mean, just talking about what he went through, you know, being recruited to, you know, and then having to play in Legion Field for a couple of years. But you're, it's like you're a part of you know the return of the uab football program and you got to see it kind of build back from the ground up like you know go to take this thing to heights that it's never been and and knowing that you you know stamp mark your legacy on this football program that he'll be able to tell you know if he has kids and then grandkids you know on down the line that hey he was a part of this build right and this is so cool especially for the you know for the fans that follow these players i remember Grayson Cash, he was a big time get coming out of Hewitt Trustville. Like, this is no notes in front of me. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think a lot of us, we can remember these guys. Uh, you know, I know it's comforting for their parents, you know, if they were to hear this, that like, hey, we are very familiar with your son. He came in, he came in with the other guy. I can't think of his name. And he ended up transferring out. Yeah, okay. It started with an A. The last name started with an A. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember. It was kind of hard to pronounce, you know, yeah. the speed. Mm-hmm. But they came in together where Grayson stayed, and I remember I was wondering what position Grayson was going to play because he was a dynamic receiver. He scored. I remember watching highlights of him all the time scoring. Every week he will be getting in the end zone, making some game-changing play. But to see um, that he was uh, he didn't have any ego, um, he played defense, like he and he stuck to it and became – because he's not the fastest guy, but he is always in the right freaking spot. He is. He knows where that ball is going to be. Every time, whether it's a tackle or interception or a big-time play, he has been the guy for the team to turn momentum every time. So just to have Grayson on this team and all those other guys, and, you know, Grayson and Noah and players like that, man, they 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 helped this program build from the ashes. And uh, we're like indebted to them, the fans. We love them. They'll always be loved here. So, no Come doubt. Out and support these guys. And also, it's the Salute the Troops uh, Saturday, too. So, you know, with Veterans Day coming this Friday, um, definitely uh, 
have that going on as well. Um, and I know we've got some, a few listeners, you know, that have served and we thank you so much for, you know, all that you've done and all those that, you know, that you continue to serve. Um, but definitely looking forward to that. And let's just pack, let's, let's get a good crowd. Darren, I, I never like to be negative towards attendance, but that UTSA game, man, I, I get the weather was bad. And honestly, I get why a lot of people stayed on because the weather was bad and we weren't performing well, but this Saturday, weather's looking better. High 50s, I think. Uh, no rain in the forecast. Hey, so football get down to protective if you can. Yeah, that's football weather. It's going to mm-hmm. be always. You can't do nothing about the heat. But with the cold, man, you throw on, throw on a. Oh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to lob it out for you. To a Blazer Victory podcast hoodie. That's what y'all need to do. Buy a Blazer Victory party. <laughs> Blazer Victory podcast hoodie. <laughs> Hey, storefrontier.com slash blazerpod. Oh, yeah, that was Chris Paul to Blake Griffin back in 2015 <laughs> right there, man. Wow. Okay. But, yeah, uh, nah, that's uh, that's that's Jelly Walker to Eric Gaines right there. Hey, we saw that Monday night, too. Yeah, but, yeah, okay, let me go stay focused real quick. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's come out, man. Let's let's support these guys. Let's pack it out, man. Um, They, they deserve it. Um. This is a team that's going to be a lot very similar to us and how we play ball, basically. Mm-hmm. They're, I'm going to be honest, they're a team that, that they, you know, he said run the ball. They like to play action. They push it downfield. We like to do that. He said something that stood out to me. He said that, uh, you know, they were, he, I, was Seth Latrell, was he the play caller or did they have uh, another offensive coordinator that was a play caller? Uh, I know Seth used to call the play. Uh, I think he relinquished it to somebody else. Now I don't think he calls plays. Yeah, but I think I think Coach Vincent has so much on his plate. You know, sometimes I wish that you know he would let Henshaw because I think Coach BB is a head coach. Like the things that he's able to do, um, and the way he's uh, able to relate with these players, I think we need him to do that because that's like his. He's so good at it. And I wish he would have Henshaw. Just take, just take it off. Just take that load. I know you said it before. Just like, just take some of that pressure off of yourself, right? Um, you know, because you still have to make in those moments. You got to make the head coaching decisions, like time out here. You got to run a throw here. You know, it's fourth and fourth and three at the thirty-seven yard line. Do you? It's so many decisions that you have to make, and you have to focus on that. And then you have to find the right play call. That's so much. It is. Uh, uh, but it was pretty cool to hear the um, Brett, um, the North Texas guy we had speak. They said, you know, that he they relinquished that, and mm-hmm. only was able to stay healthy. And I just felt like that would have been our arc if you know if if uh, Coach Vincent would have been able to relinquish that. And if Austin, I mean not Austin, but if Dylan was to stay healthy, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of jealous because Austin is having this great year. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, man, that would have. It could have been us because we have the same play style, but uh, yeah, man, I I think it, it's a good it'll be a good uh chance for our guys to really go out with a bang um uh, and do our thing. Definitely, and, and yeah, in a few minutes we'll roll our interview that we had with Brett Vito, um, who is the North Texas beat writer for the Denton Record Chronicle. It does a fantastic job. He's been doing it for years. Um, so, Brett, thank you again for coming on. Um, but we'll roll that interview in a few minutes. But definitely give him a follow on Twitter at Brett Vito, V-I-T-O. Um, but, yeah, Darren, I, I agree 100%. It, it, when we were talking with him um, during the interview, it was almost like you're just hearing him talk about UAB because they are, you know, they try to get the ground game going. And they've had, like, four or five running backs. Unfortunately, right now they are going through kind of tough times because they have a, a few of them hurt. We do not know 100% sure. Uh what running backs are going to be on the field for North Texas. Uh, I do believe Brett did say that we can definitely probably guarantee that Ragsdale uh, will be one of the featured backs uh, Saturday. But I mean, this North Texas team is eerily similar to UAB. Um, now let's just start overall. UAB owns the series against North Texas five to one. Um, and North Texas has never beaten UAB at UAB in Birmingham. Um, just kind of looking at the team, North Texas comes into this matchup six and four, five and one in Conference USA play, and that only loss in CUSA play was to UTSA in the Alamo Dome. And that game, they led most of the game, so that was a very tough loss uh, for North Texas. But other than that, they've been playing really well lately. 
Um, and this is a huge game for both teams. North Texas, hey, they're trying to get to the Conference USA Championship. And for UAB, I mean, I can't imagine this team not being bowl eligible, Darren. You know, UAB has been bowl eligible every year since Bill Clark, uh, you know, took over and since the return. And the first year Bill Clark is uh, steps down or steps away and we're not going to go bowl eligible, man, that 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 would be terrible. Um, but if UAB can get this game Saturday and go to five and five, needing just one more win, <laughs> not going to get LSU. But if you can beat <laughs> Louisiana Tech in two weeks in Ruston and get to six and six, hey, it's not it's it's not good. You what know? was that? What was and, that? And one of them teams in Louisiana, you know. <laughs> You're right. Hey, yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, if you get LSU, hey, I mean, maybe they'll be, you know, since they lost to Alabama. I mean, since they beat Alabama, maybe they'll just be riding too high and kind of overlook us. So, I don't know. But I sh- we definitely <laughs> need to get this game Saturday, though, against the right, main green. Right. Um, and, I mean, honestly, like, North Texas, they've been playing their best ball these last few weeks. They've won four out of the last five, as I just mentioned. Um very similar to UAB on the offensive side of the ball. And it kind of, in my notes, this is kind of weird, but I put kind of an upgrade, upgraded version of UAB's offense. <laughs> um, it, it, it's where, you know, UAB just has Skull and Debo. I mean, literally, these guys, there's like there was like four or five running backs that North Texas has used this year. And every one of them have uh, contributed. I think four of them had 100-yard games, um, three or four. Um, but, I mean, this is a very experienced offensive line in North Texas. UAB has a very experienced offensive line. I mean, it's just going to be uh, – who wants to be more physical this Saturday, I think? Who who wants it more? Yeah, I think I think this is one that we can come away with, especially with, uh, you know, with Steve um, officially tweeting out that Dylan's going to be starting. Right. Like I said, I felt like Dylan was – man, I felt like Dylan was really turning that corner. He was going to be him. Dylan was going to be the man I – I felt those 300-plus yards passing game. Like, I felt those – like, the way he was just running the ball and using the wheels. I, and just making good decisions, too. Making good decisions. It's like I, that trust was like, hey, put it in his hands. Like, I I kind of – this is just me talking. I kind of wanted him – I kind of wanted the ball in his hands more than, than Debo sometimes, you know. I, yeah. Because I started trusting what he was going to do with the ball. And then I'm like – we have the ultimate weapon in Debo that we can hand it off. But the guy that's going to orchestrate this thing was Dylan. And that trust was, it was right there. And I, I man, I felt like we was going to smash Western Kentucky. I'm going to just be real, you know, mm-hmm. especially with him. But, you know, that happened. But hopefully, you know, like it's good that he'll be back. And hopefully it's going to be just right back picking up where he was left off at. See, that's the concern for me. Like, you know, you've been out for a few weeks now. Are you going to come back rusty that those first couple drives, or are you going to kind of just get back to the grind? And, you know, throw that thing a couple times in practice and come on with it. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. back to where you was at, you know. Um, that's that's the hope, man. That man, just put it in his hands, let him sling it around, you know, get him, get him in rhythm. That's one thing that's – really been a knock um, on us this year. It's like we haven't let our quarterback get in the rhythm. And if it's one thing we should have learned from last week, it's like we finally let – finally by force, mm-hmm. um, Jacob Zeno, we finally let him get in the rhythm and just like we – let's work on our tempo. Tempo has something to do with getting the quarterback in rhythm. Let's work on getting these plays in on time. Please. Get in the rhythm. Let them dissect the defense. Let them go to work. You know, let's – and I think once we do that, like, we have a pretty good offense in there. Like, <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but it's true and because we were able to see it. With our backup quarterback against a good team. Hey, Darren, know. real quick too, bro. Like, if we can't get these play calls in, I'm going to start having Cedric Buchanan just yelling the plays in the, on the field. Because <laughs> you know he'll, <laughs> he'll get it in there. He'll get it. Hey, champ is here, baby. <laughs> Yeah, I think we if we can get those plays in and just give give Dylan a chance. Give give him the best opportunity. Please. You know, it ain't about just giving him a chance, but refining that chance word. Refining it. And don't give it to him. Don't give him three seconds on the play clock to, you know, get it off real quick. Give him a good 13 seconds, you know, to dissect, look around. Let the offensive line look and see. Let you know. 
offensive line, let's work on cadence. Mm-hmm. Cadence, because you, I, I was thinking about this earlier too. But cadence can be such a weapon as yes. a center. That's one thing I appreciated. Is um, I was I, I always wanted us to practice cadence more. Sometimes it, it seems like people skip over it, but it's so important because you take away if you're able to like be super comp- if you're able to be kind of complicated with your cadence, like. Okay, we're gonna go on the third go. You know, you can get up there. And you say, huh, 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 clap your hands, go, really go, then go. They hear go again, and it's like, oh, you're you're taking away the pop from that. You know, sometimes they can read you and they get that first step on you. Mm-hmm. If you take that away from defense. That's so much you have a because D linemen ain't smart. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that you have them thinking, and then but you have to be a focused group. And I was very, very disappointed in our group because we're oh we're older on that line. Mm-hmm. We're not, it's not a bunch of young guys, but that need to be ripped in. So not only are we not getting penalties, but we're drawing them offsides. We're taking away their pass rush in there. You can do so much with Cadence. Just being mentally strong, you can do so much. So hopefully we just rip that over and over and over and over. But at the same time, we got to get the plays in. Yes. Time to give them time to make their calls and focus on the cadence. But that's, you know, it was a little rant, but, you know, you know how it is. <laughs> no, hey, 100% agree with you. And also, I mean, just some other keys to the game, I, I think, uh, for UAB to, you know, defeat the Mean Green this Saturday. Obviously, they're going to have to stop the run, um, the rushing attack from the Mean Green, no matter who's running the ball, because they do have a very good offensive line. And number two, don't allow the wide their wide receivers to get past those safeties. Like if you're a safety, whether you know Jalen Key or your Cash or Bowler, do not let these wide receivers get past you because they love to run play action, as Darian mentioned earlier in the uh, episode. Like they'll kind of lull you in and then hit you over the top, just like UAB does. Yeah. So you're just going to have to be very dis- yes disciplined. Yes, we so do it. We practice. You know. I mean, yeah, for sure, and. I mean, that's, I mean, in no turn, I mean, it sounds obvious, but like if UAB can limit penalties, especially pre-snap penalties, and don't turn the ball over, limit the Mean Green's <laughs> running attack, and don't allow any explosive plays, we get out of here with a dub. This is so funny because we say the same thing. Dude, I know. You know, you know, it's. It's, it's almost a copy and paste each week. Yeah. Yes, really. Honestly, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> it's like, hey, let me, because all of these games, a lot of these games we lost been because of us. You know, mm. most of them, to be honest. Um, so, and that's how I feel. I, I'm not taking away anything from those teams because they were able to capitalize on our mistakes. For sure. You know, but uh, we made those mistakes. So, whether it was penalties or turnovers or both in the game, um, the only, only only other thing I can see is like, you know, our will to win. They have a lot to play for. You know, what what will our guys, what will our coaching staff are? Are we in it? Are we in it to win it this week? Look, do the guys want to go to a bowl game or not? Do you, does, does the staff want to go to a bowl game? Or are we just gonna pack it up? Right. Like that. that that's that's the question. Are they gonna fight? They fought hard last week to get that thing to overtime against the Roadrunners. We gave them credit in the re- recap of the UTSA recap. But are they going to want to do it again this week? Are they going to show up ready to go and not have five false starts to start the game? Like, what what, what, what does this team want to do going forward? Are we going to pack it up and just be done since we lost last week? Or are we going to continue to fight and try to scrap and claw our way to a bowl game? Right. And you know what? That goes for, that goes for us, too. Yeah. Like, the fans. Like, are we going to pack it up? You know, we, you know. This is the season ain't going the way we wanted to go. Are we are we done? Because you know we ain't gonna have an excuse this weekend. I had an excuse. I was gonna have the kids and it was gonna be raining. Well, it ain't gonna be raining, and the kids got tickets. They can come on now. We got jackets. We got you know exactly blades of victory hoodies. (laughs) (laughs) But uh yeah, we got stuff you can get warm out there. We're gonna be good. That's football weather. We can we can really have a really nice crowd. I was really proud of how the students and how a lot. I mean, the uh, for the basketball game, it's like I'm like, man, I'm proud how we turned out. Like it was electric in there. 
Mm-hmm. Man, let's take that energy and let's put it into protective stadium Saturday. Let's get out there. Let's make a lot of noise. Let's cheer this team on. These boys, these seniors, like you said, it's senior night. They deserve it. And as for players, I was thinking about this, man. A lot of times we want players to to want to play for certain reasons. We want them to play for, like, yeah. play for the person next to you. <laughs> you know, and all of this good stuff. But I started thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? I played football. I wanted to win. I wanted, I, I wanted to win. And I, I did play for that, you know, like play for the person next to you, whatever. But mm-hmm. as a competitor, I don't care what you playing for. As long as you find the reason that you want to play for. If you want to get out there and you want to shine for your stats, go shine for your stats. Because that means that you got to play well. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. if you want to go out there, you want to shine for some scouts. And you want to, you thinking about the next level. You don't care about me as a player, as a brother. You know, I don't care. I don't care. Play with whatever whatever is going to get you going as a player. Get yourself going. You know, if you just want to show what you got for next year, you don't really care if the team win or lose. Go do do that. Go do right. that, please. That's what I ask because we need you individually as a player to play whatever to the best of your ability to achieve your personal mission. So if it helps make the team better, do it. But at this point of the season, you have to find your motivation to do your thing. So that's how I always felt. I was like, well, if that's going to get you going, I don't care. Hey, <laughs> you know? Whatever gets the job done, man. That's... Yep, just get the job done. So just get the job done, fellas. Find your motivation. All right, Darren. Well, I think it's time to go ahead and give our predictions. Um, I'll go ahead and start first. And Man, I hope I'm wrong again this week, but I do have North Texas coming out on top 28 to 20. So I see it being close. Um, I know Vegas has this as, as, has UAB as a six-point favorite right now as we're recording Tuesday night, November the 8th. Um, but I don't know, man. I just – I hope I'm wrong. How, how do you see this one going? Yeah, because we, we, we've been the almost got them blazers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Dylan's back. I'm a big Dylan fan. He's back. Um, Me too. Shoot is so hard because I, I don't know. I don't I just really don't know the players will right now. So and that's the hidden thing that I can't see. I don't know how much they want to win. I feel like if we wanted to win this game, we would win it 31-24. Mm. Um I like that. Uh, but if they you know if they kind of done packed it in, upset, you know, disappointed on the season, I see I can see us losing. 3117. Mm, yeah. So that's how I feel. Well, hopefully we do get a Blazer victory this Saturday and hopefully the Blazers can improve to 5 and 5 and just need one more win out of the last 2 weeks to uh get to that bowl eligible 6 game win. Um but guys, hopefully you can make it out to Protector Stadium this Saturday again. It's senior night. Like we've got to show these seniors that we cared about them. And so please, if you, if you don't already have a ticket, go ahead and call the UAB ticket office, get your ticket uh, for Saturday. Uh, like I said, it's, the weather's going to be in the fifties, so it's not going to be super cold, but it's not going to be hot. It's going to be like Darian said earlier, football weather. So it's going to be a great day. So definitely hope that uh, we can get a lot bigger crowd than we had last week um, against UTSA. But Darian and I will be back Saturday night to recap this uh, North Texas UAB game. Hopefully it will be a good episode because these last few ones, buddy, they, they have not been very fun to record. Um, We're but, talking about fun. Um, when are we going to record something talking about Jelly Walker dropping, you know, almost 40-something points? If AK would have let him stay in, he would have broke his record again. <laughs> <laughs> we need to. Oh, yeah, we will. And, hey, oh. Basketball, very important game Friday at four as they travel up to uh, uh, Philadelphia to take on a new, in a neutral site against the Toledo Rockets, who I, I saw some highlights of their game um, the other day. I think they played Valparaiso, I think, but they look really good. So this is going to be a huge test for Andy Kennedy's team. Um, you know, they're already 1-0, beat Alabama State, but they're going to have a tougher test uh, this Friday on Veterans Day against the Toledo Rockets. So definitely hope that they can come out on top. And we'll and we'll talk about the team. Um, but they man, they look good. They look Dude. good. Pieces that uh you know we went and saw them in person. My wife let me out. 
<laughs> That's so, right. Yeah, he, I got about the house. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we we but we yeah we we'll, we'll talk about it. Definitely. Well, I guess. Well, without further ado, we'll go ahead and roll our interview that we had with Brett Vito again. Give him a follow at Brett Vito. And also, guys, I was also able to go on with Sonoy Valente on YouTube. His show is called The Mean Green Show. So that's probably going to be up Wednesday or Thursday sometime. So check that out. You know, Sonoy does a great job covering uh, North Texas athletics as well. So go check that on YouTube. But without further ado, we'll roll our interview that Darian and I had with Brett Vito. Go Blazers. Well, welcome back to the Blazer Victory Podcast, where we are pleased to be joined by Brett Vito, who is the North Texas beat writer for the Denton Record Chronicle. Brett, thank you so much for just taking some time out this Tuesday evening to talk some North Texas football with us. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Perfect. Well, obviously, you know, big game this Saturday. Um, it's it's probably not as big as it normally is when these two programs uh, square off on the on the field. but uh, let's just let's just start off just with with the general question about kind of like Seth Luttrell. Let's let's look. So obviously he's got the team bowl eligible for the second year in a row, and I mean looking like they're going to end up playing a rematch in the Alamo Dome against uh, UTSA in the Conference USA Championship. I know they've got some work to do these next couple weeks, but just looking kind of at Seth Luttrell and all the off-season, you know, speculation, or at least that we see from a lot of North Texas fans on social media. I'm sure you see it as well. But, I mean, right now, is it kind of safe to take him off of that hot seat? Or do you think, in your opinion, maybe he's got some more work to do before he can officially, you know, be removed off of that? Well, I mean, I think he's definitely improved his situation, right? Because, I mean, you think about it, coming into this year, they've they've been to – uh, you know, they'll be going to their sixth bowl game in seven years. And now that right. is a, a tremendous run when you talk about the University of North Texas. It's only been 13 to 13 bowl games in its entire history. I think the thing that uh, they kind of ratcheted up the pressure on Seth is just the fact that they had, you know, they've gotten bowl eligible. But a few of those years, they didn't they didn't become bowl eligible by winning six games. You know, they got in one time his first year on an APR exemption when they were under 500. And then the COVID year, they got in at four and five. So there's a there's two a couple of couple of years in there where they didn't quite get to where they wanted to go. And then they had a four win season in 2019. And then they went back and went four and six. And then this last year, they went six and seven and barely made it in. So if you're looking at he had essentially three losing seasons in a row. And North Texas has put in it has invested a tremendous amount of money into the program and i think that's where the the trepidation kind of kind of came from in terms of like his status because you know when you think about the you know they opened apogee stadium in 2011 they built you know they opened a 16 million dollar indoor practice facility he's you know making a whole lot of money he's making like two million dollars a year so the i think the disconnect was you know, from the outside looking in, yeah, he's had a tremendous run there, and I think he really has. But the the they've also invested a heck of a lot into the program, and the expectations with uh, the people that are paying that money have gone up tremendously. Now, is he? He was definitely on the hot seat coming into the season, but I think getting the six wins here, especially with a lot of time left, really improved his position. And I think he's really got a chance to help himself out here because you know if they can win at UAB, which is not going to be easy or win that last regular season game against Rice, or some combination thereof where they get in the conference championship game. That gives you the opportunity for North Texas to win its first conference championship since 04. I think that would really solidify him. And then if they got into a bowl game and won it, you know, I think that would really solidify him too. So I think there's some work to be done. I don't think there's, I don't think he's definitively off the hot seat, but I think he's definitely really, really helped his cause here this year. And to follow up, Brett, um, not only with the facilities and everything, but, you know, jumping to the American next year, too, that's got to add a little extra sense of urgency, I guess, too, right? Well, sure, because, you know, I think the the concern here, if you're looking at it from North Texas's end of it, is, you know, you're going to leave Conference USA and you're going to jump into a higher level league. And granted, you're going with some of these other schools, but, uh, you know, it's going to get things are going to get a lot more difficult. 
when you go into the American and, you know, you're kind of measuring yourself against uh, the teams in the American, you know, the SNUs and Memphises of the world and things like that. And, you know, I just think with what they've invested in there, they, I think North Texas views itself with its location and all the money it's invested and the stadium and all that. They view themselves as having the potential to be one of those top, consistently top group of five teams up there with, uh, you know, some of the, some of the other ones you typically think of just because of what they have to work with and they haven't quite gotten there yet. So, you know, I, it's, it's the age old question when you get to these things. I mean, I think Seth Luttrell has been tremendous at North Texas. I think it's going to come down to the end of the people that make the decisions are going to have to make the decision. Do you think that you would be able to exceed what he's done with what he has to work with, with somebody else, whether that's, you know, who knows, you know, the old Virginia Tech coach worked with uh, <clears throat> Rand Baker at Memphis. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, you know, th- there's other names that float around out there, but that, I think that's the decision they're going to have to make. And personally, I think Seth's a really good coach. I think he's done a tremendous job at North Texas. It's just going to come down to what those people in that are pulling the trigger think. <clears throat> um, Hey, Brad, is Darian here. Um, just looking back at last year and seeing that North Texas went on this fury of a rally at the second half of the season. Um, do you think that this year, I, it seems like the the results has been mixed in. It hasn't been so heavily second half of the, of the schedule type of uh, North Texas fury, but it seems like you guys are dealing a lot better. Um, is that the case this year? Yeah, I mean, they they found it last year at the end of the year when they went to Austin Ani at quarterback and he kind of got settled in, right? And they decided they were going to go Ani at quarterback and then they were going to really lean on their running game because they had a r- bunch of really good running backs and they had a terrific offensive line. And they averaged 283 yards per game during that five-game winning streak in the regular season. And somehow possibly do you know i think the rainstorm in the utsa game helped quite a bit and they managed to pull it out they got to six and six and got to a bowl game and the interesting thing about this year was you know they started with the win over utep and then they you know they all smu gives them fits and they lost that game and then they lost those back-to-back games they got blown out at unlv and blown out at memphis and you're thinking okay well maybe this is going to go downhill but they've really righted the ship behind ani and who is just on an absolute tear late in the season you know, and everybody wants to defend and stop North Texas's running game. And I just kind of wonder at some point, are, are people going to change the way they're looking at this? Because if you if you look at what North Texas is doing now, yeah, they run the ball really well. But Ani's gone for 325, 322, and 414 in his last three games with 11 touchdowns in that span. You right. Know, so um, he's, you know, so that's kind of been part of the reason they found it this year. You know, it's been a, a mix of things. But, you know, Ani's playing really well late in the season. They kind of figured it out a little bit defensively late in the year. And they've got a good coaching staff that just seems to be able to adjust throughout the course of the season. And they seem to have found it here late again. And, Brett, just to follow up on Ani, I mean, I know UAB fans, you know, when they when UAB faced off against uh, North Texas early last year, you know, kind of gave Ani some fits. Uh, you know, Ani didn't have the best of game. I think it was around eight for 20 or something around that. But. He, you know, just looking at film these last couple of weeks, as you just mentioned, the yardage that he's gotten, and then that's not including, you know, five touchdowns against FIU. What do you attribute him just to playing better now? Is it just literally that he's just getting more comfortable the more he's played, or it, what would you attribute that to? I think there's a there's a few factors, and yeah, I just flipped back another page. Yeah, he went eight for twenty one against UAB. Yes, um, that that last year, and I think you got to remember that this guy spent a lot of time away from football, right? You know, he's he was in the Yankees minor league system for six years, and then he had his pit stop at um, at Arkansas. Then he ends up coming back home to play for North Texas, which is essentially his hometown team. And, you know, and he kind of had to fight through winning the job, and then he gets in there, and, he, you know, he's kind of got to learn to play the position again. And then they had a really a rough go with the quarterback coaching position there um didn't wasn't didn't really work out with some guys and you know tate wallace that whole disaster where they went without a quarterback coach for a whole year and then finally it just seems like 
they kind of found it with a, a real unusual decision if you look at it from Latrell's perspective. I mean, last last spring, they ended up deciding to give the quarterback, you know, they turned the play calling over and turned the quarterback coaching job over to this guy named Mike Blesch. He's a great coach. He's been a but the thing is, is this guy's background is an offensive line. He was an offensive lineman at Houston, and he coached offensive line at Tulsa and all this other stuff. And then they they stuck him in as the offensive uh, play caller, and they also gave him the quarterback job. And for whatever reason, it just clicked. And they have a former uh, North Texas quarterback who's just a backup, wasn't really a very good player, named Quinn Shambor, who's kind of like a graduate assistant coach. Um with them that helps with the quarterbacks. And then, so I think that really clicked. And then I think just the experience of having getting some games under his belt and things like that. And they also got a lot healthier at wide receiver. And that's really helped a lot too, because if you remember last year, they had a really bad run of injuries and slash guys getting kicked off the team early last season. And they really didn't have much at wide receiver. So he didn't, Austin didn't have a whole lot to throw to. All of a right. sudden this year, all these guys have kind of started to find it. Like he he hit, I think it was nine guys last week in the win over FIU, and it was 10 in the win over Western Kentucky. And some of these guys are pretty good players that they brought in from various places. You know, Macklin, you know, came in from Missouri. Jair Shorter got healthy, who's having a big year. He's had like a touchdown catch pretty much every week. They got a young tight end that, that that's kind of come on named Varkey's Gums. They got another good tight end named Jake Roberts. You know, so I just think all those factors, you know, him getting comfortable, getting a better quarterback coaching situation, and then just the, the receivers he has to work with have really benefited him and, you know, really vaulted him to the top of the NCAA leaders board, which is pretty amazing when you think about, you know, where he came from. I mean, he, he's tied for third in the country with 28 touchdown passes and is in the wow. top – He's in the top. Um, he's in the top ten, I think, in passing yards as well. If I flip down here a little bit. Wow, I didn't realize he's that good. I mean, I know yeah. he's been a good of late, but wow. Yeah. Well, he's um, yeah, he's eighth in passing yards and and tied for third in passing touchdowns on the season. That's pretty. You know, he's not complete, and he's also the other interesting thing about him is that the one. You know, I I think statistics are sometimes kind of, you know, can kind of muddy the picture or whatever. But the other thing you really look at is he's also, by a mile, the, has the most yards per completion in the country by a long shot. He's averaging 60, essentially 16.2 yards per completion. The guy that's sitting in second place is another uh, Conference USA guy. It's Parker McNeil at Louisiana Tech at 15.5. So every time he hits a ball, I mean, it's going way down the field. I'm Dylan Hopkins is also way up there. He's at like 14.7, but... You know, that's kind of their offense. You know, they run the ball and they hit those play action passes down the field. And that's really what he's excelled at and has allowed him to be, you know, a pretty dynamic player this year. That's that's pretty cool. I got a couple of questions from that first question is how old is Austin Oni? He's 29, <laughs> isn't he? 29. Yeah. Well, yeah, let me I I've written this every time, but he his birthday falls right in the middle of the season. So um He's, yeah, he's like 29. He's got a little daughter. You know, he got married while he's since he came back. You know, so he's uh, yeah, he's an older guy. Um, yeah, I did not know that. Okay, that's pretty cool, man. Like you got, you know, you got teach, you got retirement. Probably got four <laughs> and stuff going. I like. Well, that. that's the that's the downside of. It. I mean, you can understand why I went to play baseball. I mean, he was a second round pick with the Yankees and got a million right. dollar signing bonus. So. You know, um, uh, they took it out of here. I'd, ha- I'd have to go back and really look it up. But, um, you and, know, so you spend six years playing baseball, you know, and he got a million dollars to go do it. And it just didn't work out. And then he came back, you know, he, deci- he decided he didn't want to get out of it. You know, he was going to have to go back to college, right? Because he didn't go out of college out of high school. So, I mean, as long as you're doing that, I think he, I'm not sure if he took classes while he was playing baseball or not. But, you know, he came back to North Texas and now he's got like a whole bunch of different degrees and stuff like that because he's been around forever. Yeah. So, I mean, the question is for him, you know, if you're looking at it, you're talking about retirement and 401k and stuff. I mean, a lot of times people, people, when you, when you think about people in the, in the working world, when you hit like 30 ish, maybe you've got like five years into your five years of money into your 401k and, you know, a little bit more of a run there in terms of stuff like that. And that's one thing he's kind of given up by 
doing the sports thing forever. So, you know, wonder if that's going to come into play. Cause the, you know, the funny thing is you talk about how old he is. I mean, he's, he's actually got another year of eligibility left. He could come back next year. What? <laughs> yeah. He's that's well, cause crazy. the COVID. Yeah. Cause the COVID year was there. So, I mean, he's, he's been, you know, there's a, he's been playing for all this time and he's still got an additional year of eligibility left. Now he told me before the season started and we wrote it, he's like, well, this is going to be my last year. You know, I'm having a daughter and all this stuff, but you know, now he's playing on great. And you know, he, before he was talking, well, maybe I'll try see if I can catch on with an NFL team, see if I can chase my dream there. But like this last week after the game, some guy just offhand just asked him, you know, not one of the regular media guys, but a guy that does a podcast kind of like this, he just offhand says, well, you know, you're, what are you thinking about? You know, is this going to be your last year? You're playing so well. And he's like, well, you know, I'm going to give it some thought after the season. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe they convince them to come back next year. Cause I don't think they really have a, a guy waiting in the wings that they feel real comfortable with. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe he comes back next year. I, I think this, the chances that may be a little slimmer than that, but I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. That kind of reminds, that kind of so reminds cool. me of the guy from, oh, yeah. From Oklahoma State a few years ago. What was his name? He was pretty. He was around that age when he went into the draft. Uh, oh, Brandon Whedon. Brandon yes. Whedon. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Whedon. Right. So there's a few guys that have been like that. That have uh, Whedon's one, and then there's there's been a few others. Because I mean, of course, that came up. So that story ended up being written by me and everybody else. Is you know who were, who are the other guys that that went this route and had success with it? And there have been, I mean, there have been quite a few. You know, but I, I just think that this guy's accomplished quite a quite a bit. When you look at, you know, you talk about that run last year where they won those five in a row. I mean, I think the the credit for that obviously goes to Latrell and what he man he did a whole him and his staff did a whole lot of smart moves in terms of changing their offensive focus and doing a lot of other things. But as far as like the players on that team, I mean, he might not have been the best player on the team, but he was the one that was standing there in those press conferences when they were one and six and telling everybody, hey, we're close. You know, I think we can turn this thing around. And I think he convinced all those guys on that team that they could do it. And he's the unquestioned leader of that team, along with a couple other guys. And I really give him a heck of a lot of credit for for what happened late last year, because not only did he he make a, some some pretty big plays down the line in that five game winning streak but he uh i think he was the one that really convinced those guys that they could do it and now all of a sudden you look back at you know the, the run that they're having now and he's just playing ter- he's playing terrific football it's like it's inspiration for me john maybe i can go back and because uh, <laughs> i'm thinking about next year you know you say he's 29 he turned if he turned 30 next year and he's running it i'm like man that's that's the story right there 30 year old college quarterback Going to frat party sometime. <laughs> That'd be funny. But um, I also heard you say Macklin, a uh, receiver from Missouri. That wouldn't happen to be like uh, Jeremy Macklin's. Would that be any kind of relationship? Because I remember yes, Jeremy Macklin. his brother. I, wow. Okay. I knew that was too much of a coincidence. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, and that's one of the guys. I mean, there's a bunch of these guys, a receiver, that are really playing well for him right now. I mean, they've got... Uh, you know, Damon Ward, he's a younger guy that's, uh, you know, that's kind of, well, I mean, he's a sophomore now, but he's really come on for them. Um, some of these other, Roderick Burns is one of those, he's like a slot guy that's been around forever and has just kind of been a productive player for a long time. Yeah, Jamori or Jay Macklin, he's gone by both. And he came in from Missouri, but, the you know, Jair Shorter, been terrific for them. He's probably their best receiver. Jordan Smart had a big game last week. He's a transfer from a from a lower level school that came up and tried to give, give it a shot at the division one level has really panned out. And so that's the, those guys have really come through and they're going to need, they're going to need those guys this week, because I don't know if you guys read, you know, probably not read my stories or this week or not, but they've had just a North Texas had a horrendous run of injuries mm-hmm. at running back, which was their deepest position heading into mm-hmm. the year. And it turned out to be a really good thing that they did. Cause they lost, you know, Oscar Attaway to uh, what looked like an ankle injury, they're not gonna, they're not going to talk about it, of course. And then Isaiah Johnson, that other one of their one of their good running backs, you got you guys probably didn't see this, but it's kind of funny. He scored the game tying touchdown against UTSA and jumped up to celebrate. I remember that and, great, and twisted his ankle, and he hasn't played the last few weeks. So he that that you know that was like a not top ten Sports Center not top ten thing that happened. And then you know Iowa Day, who's their leading rusher. 
this year, he uh, he went down in the last game, and uh, you know he it, he's probably pretty questionable for this week. So it looks like they're going to ride their fourth guy, which is Ikeko Ragsdale, who's a really good running back. But you know that's the, you know they're going to need to depend on Ikeka and you know those wide receivers here for a few weeks until they get some of these guys back. And, and Brett, I did read that uh, your last piece that you put out, uh, and I was going to ask about the running backs. I mean, I also saw that you had tweeted that was it uh, was it Attaway that wasn't even on the depth chart for this week. Well, that's the thing. Oscar got hurt in that game, and it looked really bad. I don't know if you guys saw the highlight of it, but um, he got kind of you know it's one of those things where some guy was kind of tackling him low, and mm-hmm. then um, so, a guy from Western Kentucky came in and hit him up around the head. They reviewed it for targeting and didn't and didn't uh, call it. But mm. he essentially got high load and then he got helped off the field and it didn't look good. And, you know, they're they're one of those teams that doesn't doesn't talk about anything in terms of injuries. But, you know, when they took him off the depth chart, I think that was kind of the indication that, uh, you know, we're not going to see we're not going to see Oscar again this year, which is really too bad because uh, he's had a really rough go of it with injuries. He already missed an entire year with an ACL. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I think it looks like depending on how back how fast Io can get back and then maybe if Isaiah, because it didn't look like a badly turned ankle, just like it like he kind of rolled it a little bit. You know, he might be back this week, but that's a definitely one to watch. There is is what they have at running back this week. But you definitely think that Ragsdale is going to get the bulk of the carries, probably? At this point, I would sure think so. I mean, okay. Latrell was talking today about how, um, you know, they were absolutely mauling FIU at halftime. I mean, they just came out lights out and were up, what was it, 40, 45, 14 and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, uh, Latrell said that they didn't play him in the second half. I went back to through the play-by-play just to look, and I think they threw him like a screen early in the second half, and then they looked around at each other and said, you know, we just lost our third running back of the year, and we don't really have much left. Let's get him the heck off the field. And he right. you know, he didn't play much at all in the second half. So I think they're going to lean pretty hard on, on Akaika, who's been a good player for him. I mean, he's had some big games and – done some good things his stats aren't all that impressive because i mean when you're splitting carries between like four people it you know it it certainly doesn't lend itself to you know to guys having big big numbers but that guy definitely has uh has put up some pretty good numbers throughout the years and i think that's just a testament to that offensive line too brett i mean they you know they had an injury as well on the offensive line but they seem to still be (laughs) steamrolling people um it looks like the only team that they kind of struggled against lately was that utsa game but i mean in looking at the film it looks like that's just because utsa kind of stacked the box on them well that's what everybody does i mean the 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 book on north texas is and this kind of kind of played out earlier in the year was um you know, what you want to what people are wanting to do is they want to take away, you know, before these guys got hurt, they wanted to take away Oscar. They wanted to take away, you know, Io and some of these other guys. And you've got this quarterback back there that really hasn't put up terrific numbers or anything like that, at least not early in the year. So everybody's kind of decided, OK, we're going to stack the box. We're going to make Austin Ani beat us. Well, all of a sudden, Austin Ani's kind of beating everybody. And if you look at it. I mean, mm-hmm. they they darn near darn near beat UTSA. I mean, they essentially had that game won. Yeah, they should have. Yeah. Until Frank Wilson, you know, who I think is a terrific player, you know, led them on that late drive. But you know, the, the thing that I wonder is is are people going to adjust? I mean, does UAB look at this and say, you know, Ani's thrown for over 320 yards each of the last three games. North Texas is down like two or three running backs. Are we really going to sit there and? put eight guys in the box. I mean, I think with a, a Kaika back there, they could still run the ball pretty darn effectively. And that offensive line is really good. And a Kaika did have 100 and 119 yards rushing in Florida Atlantic early. It's just guys, you know, this isn't like some spare guy. I mean, this guy's a talented player, but I just wonder at some point, does everybody say maybe we ought to rethink the idea that we're going to put everybody on the line of scrimmage and, Put all everybody. We're going to put our you know five ten cornerback out, out there against you know Jair Shorter, who's like six two and built like a tight end, and is is one of the fastest guys North Texas has. You know he's been running by people all throughout the year and has had a bunch of big touchdown catches. I just wonder if at some point if people are not going to reconsider that that strategy. 
Yeah, I can almost guarantee. I know what we'll we'll do. We'll probably go come out in the three three five and kind yep. of play conservative, and kind of is it it it'll be confusing. And we'll give up some yards in the run, but I can almost guarantee that we'll try to um, be patient and uh, make you guys work your way down the field and and score. Um, that's why I think a lot will will ride on that North Texas defense. Um, what, what is, what, what about this North Texas defense? Because I, I feel like the more opportunities you guys will be able to have, you know, um, because we, we, we're kind of bend don't break and we don't, we, we can get stingy about the end zone. But, um, if, if that, if that defense is able to get our offense off the field pretty fast and keep letting y'all, you know, be down on us, uh, that's the key. Um, so what about that North Texas defense? Um, what 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 would you say is the strength of this defense? Well, I mean, you, you talk about what the way UAB plays it, you know, trying to make people work your way down the field. That's kind of the Phil Bennett deal. You know, Phil Bennett's been around forever. You know, he's one of those guys. I mean, he was the he's been the defensive coordinator at all kinds of big time power schools. I mean, he was AM and he was at Kansas State. I mean, the guy's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. And the only reason North Texas has him is because He's real tight with Latrell. Um, you know, he was he was an assistant coach at at Oklahoma when Latrell was the fullback, and has kind of been a mentor for him all these years. And he went through a bunch of defensive coordinators and could never find the right fit. And then he talked Phil into coming out of retirement to come coach their defense, and that's been just a tremendous boon for them because Phil Bennett had they had the best Phil's first year they had the best turnaround in terms of yards per game in the entire country. And then he came back for another year, and now all of a sudden, you know, he lost a ton of really good players. They lost two defensive ends, that twins that transferred out and ended up at UCLA. They uh, lost a defensive tackle that went to training camp for a while. They lost a pretty good safety, and they kind of had to. So they kind of had to rebuild this year. For it took them a while. But it sure seems like they found it now because, like, if you look back, the last couple of weeks they gave up. 13 points to a pretty good Western Kentucky team. And then they gave up 14 points to, you know, an FIU team that's, you know, isn't great, but still is a, you know, conference USA level team. So they seem to have found it. And the guy to watch in on the North Texas defense is a guy named KD Davis. Um, he's their linebacker and he's, he has a shot to become the all-time leading tackler in North Texas history. And he was a first team all conference selection last year, just a really good player. And, you know, they've got a few pieces around him. He's the guy that really, that really, uh, you know, makes the whole thing go. They've got a couple of good defensive backs. One really interesting kid. He's a tiny little guy named Ridge Tejada. His older brothers all played at major conference schools and then went on to uh, play pro ball. And uh, he's, but he's this little bitty cornerback that's having a monster year. He's up in the national leaders and passes defended. He's 5'8 and 181 pounds, but he keeps making big plays. Like he returned an interception for a touchdown in one game and in that same game returned one back to the goal line. So mm-hmm. he's having a monster year. Um, they've had a guy come up from Division II Eastern New Mexico named Mason Richards at outside linebacker, and he's having a really big year. He had 11 tackles versus UTSA. Um, you know, just just a really good play. He had two, three tackles for a loss versus Louisiana Tech, three sacks versus Louisiana Tech. He's another good player that they've got out there. And the thing with them is they're kind of like UAB in the fact that you're going to have to kind of drive it down the field on them to to score. So, yeah, I'm sure that's going to be the, the, the approach they'll take against the UAB. And it'll be interesting to see how North Texas can stand up to that, that UAB running game because, you know, it's – they lost their big defensive tackle last year, who was uh, Dion Noville, who was such an integral part of their defense. And they've kind of rebuilt around some other players. But, you know, it's not like they're, they've got a, a monstrous defensive line or anything. Those tackles, like 275. They've got another defensive tackle. It's like 288. So, I mean, they're built more on kind of speed and quickness and not just raw power. As, as far as style of play, it seems like we're – playing ourselves uh the run game play action over the top i believe dylan hopkins would have had an austin only type of year if he wouldn't have got hurt yeah and that with dylan hopkins getting hurt that really kind of derailed the year for us but it seems like he'll be back uh for this game crossing my fingers 
but it our teams seem a lot alike. I didn't know how much alike on defense we were. So um, I'm, I'm going to be pretty curious to see how this one plays out. Well, that's what Latrell said, too. He's like, he, he was talking about this game. He's like, well, it's going to be a lot like playing ourselves. This is a, a team that's got a, is, is built a very similar way in terms of, you know, <clears throat> just uh, quality defenses and, you know, a little bit of their st- strategy on defense and a little bit about, you know, run the ball and, and throw, throw it down, the, throw it down the field for big plays. I mean, that's kind of both teams MO. So it's going to be a matter of who can, you know, run the ball effectively and, and hit those big plays, I think is going to be what it comes down to. Definitely. And honestly, Brett, like looking, you know, from Latrell, like it's almost like UAB has been kind of a thorn in his side other than the 2017 game um, where UAB lost um, at North Texas. But in, in your opinion, what does North Texas have to do to get their first win ever in Birmingham this Saturday? Well, to me, it, it all comes down to the running game. I think if North, especially with North Texas being so banged up at running back, I think if if they can get a Kaika going and, you know, get that running game going and, you know, <clears throat> so that Austin can take some one-on-one shots down the field, I think that really helps. And I think you just have to, if you're North Texas, you just can't get torched by, you know, uh, McBride in the running game, you know, because that guy's such a good player. I mean, you saw him take it, what was it, 70 yards to the house just mm-hmm. this last week in that in that game. And I mean, I know they ended up ended up losing that one, but they took UTSA right down to the wire. I mean, everybody was watching that. Right. Watching it on on a stream at the end. Stadium. <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, North Texas was blowing it and there wasn't any big drama there. Everybody wanted to know, OK, does this North Texas come into this next week? Um, you know, tied with UTSA for the conference league, because that's their big, bitter rival uh, other than SMU, you know, because it, it's an in-state school and there's been a lot of history there. So everybody's kind of kind of watching to see what was going to happen. And then, you know, UTSA just seems to be the team of destiny this year and kind of pulled it out at the end. But, you know, that's uh, that was uh, definitely one everybody was eyeballing. And, you know, I, I it was an impressive performance by UAB to, to – darn near pull that out especially not having Hopkins so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens if Hopkins has, comes back how how good is he going to be after being out for a while you know right. how, how that all plays out and real quick though in regards to UTSA I'm sure everybody else in CUSA well and the American next year can't can't wait for Frank Harris to move on and go pro <laughs> and just get out yeah. of that program because that dude's special yeah, doesn't he have another year too? I was. He can come back one more year if he wants. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, if you're Frank Harris, I mean, do you come back for one more year? It's kind of the same thing with Austin. I do you come back for one more year? I mean, I don't think Frank's going to the pros. I mean, he's too small to. He's too small to be a pro type quarterback. So it's the question: of, Does he want to come back and you know well, take the beating for one more year? Does what does he want to do? Because it seems like they've got you know another guy waiting in the wings there. They just got that highly regarded um, quarterback out of, I think it was Ennis that committed to them. And then every, the speculation is always, you know, that they might get another transfer quarterback to be the bridge between him and between uh, Frank and the next guy, which I would assume would be this guy from Ennis. But, you know, we'll see what all these guys decide to do. Yeah. Especially with the portal, you never know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm not sure Frank's, uh, you know, I, I think he's a fantastic player, but I'm not sure he's a, you know, a power five guy, right? right? I mean, I mean, he would be awfully small at the power five league. He might be in the perfect spot there. So does he want to play one more year and kind of stretch out all of his records and see if they can go have a, a big, great year? Does he want to, you know, ride off into the sunset? And he, I don't know if he wants to coach or what he wants to do, but that'll be another interesting one to watch is what Frank decides to do. No doubt. Well, Brett, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, UAB fans listening, if you are not following Brett on Twitter, give him a follow at Brett Vito, V-I-T-O. He puts out great content and also great articles, again, for the Denton Record Chronicle, and we will definitely be retweeting it out this week, Brett, when you make those, so our UAB fans will be able to read. Um, I mentioned you know, earlier I, I read your last piece. It was great. Um, I got to catch up on Ani and how he was doing and also that running back situation. Um, but thanks again, man. I, I know we said we were going to keep you for 15 minutes and we're about what 34 minutes. in. So we definitely appreciate you uh, coming on tonight. 
Thanks. Oh, no, it's great to be on, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, uh, Darian, do you want to close us out, buddy? Hey, Blazer Nation, let's ride.